And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 102, and my name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and once, once again, excited to be back on with you here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. We are live on Facebook and heading to Disrupt Ed TV, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We were off last week. Uh, we did not have an episode. We had a cancellation. So I decided to just kind of rest and take some time uh, with the start of school and, and, and all that, that busy stuff. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Rocketbook for being today's sponsor of the show. Uh, after a long-awaited um, talk and, and uh, meetings with Rocketbook, we did get the Andrew Murata Surviving and Thriving Rocketbook. Here it is. And uh I'm so excited to talk to today's guest, Tara Martin, who's going to be coming up here in a moment. And right now, I have a blank sheet here, but I know Tara is going to share so much today, and she has so many amazing stories and, and is doing such great work in the field of education and motivation uh, that my notes are going to be in here. And if you don't know what Rocketbook is or you haven't heard of it, it is a reusable notebook. It's a smart notebook, and I'm going to download these notes uh, to my Google Drive. I can email it. All of that is all going right in here in the Andrew Murata Surviving and Thriving Rocket Book. So uh, these are on my website. If you are interested, uh, check those out, andrewmurata.com. Um, and I'm excited to have that relationship with Rocket Book. Really excited to talk with Tara today. And I know I'm going to fill that notebook up uh, with interesting topics. So let's get started here on show 102. Uh, and again, our guest coming up here in a minute is Tara Martin. Tara uh, is the author of two books. Uh, she is an educational leader. She is a speaker. And uh, I had an opening concept built around something else. And I read this with my daughter last night. This is her most recent book, uh, Cannonball In. And I, I just, I said, oh, we're going to open the show with this. Um, and it's a story, right? Uh, just what the title says, Cannonball In. And, and us as adults, right? Number one, when was the last time you cannonballed in a pool? But number two, just thinking about our role as teachers, educators, school leaders, how much before we actually do something, right? Training, uh, we got to YouTube it. We have to Google it. We got, There's so many things, right, before we actually do it now. Whereas when we were kids, right, you know what? Just go do it. And I was inspired. You know, my daughter loved the book, and and I was inspired as a, as a high school principal to, you know, sometimes you're not afraid to make waves. Sometimes you got to be not afraid of what people are going to say, and you just got to do it. And even though it's a kid's book, um, I was inspired by it, and and that message of canning, balling in things in your life, I think is a great one. Um, we're going to hear from Tara about the story of her first book, which is amazing. So many great stories in here. Be real. Um, but I just got this yesterday in the mail cannonball and it inspired me. So when those opportunities come as an educator, um, you know, sometimes I know as adults, we stick our toes in the water. Sometimes we might wade into the steps. My wife is a wader in, I get it, give her space and time. Uh, but sometimes we can't be afraid to make waves and we just got to go do it. The best training there is, is doing it. Uh, and we're going to make mistakes along the way and we're going to have stumbles along the way. And, and that that happens. But that message in that book, uh, we got two thumbs up from Tessa Murata. 
and uh, I thought it was great. So that being said, let's bring in the guests here today. And there she is, live from Kansas. Uh, that's Tara Martin, everyone. Tara, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah, so so many things to talk about, Tara, and I, I know you're busy, and I appreciate uh, you making the time uh, to be here with us. Um, I spoke a little bit about you, Tara, but for those uh, guests here that, that don't know you, why don't you give us a real, real brief introduction about yourself? Yeah, so I am Tara Martin, author, uh, as Andrew already mentioned, author of Be Real, Educate from the Heart, and also the new kids children's book that works for all ages, Cannonball Inn. I also, I started out as an elementary educator. Third grade was my favorite grade. And I spent a good chunk of my time as an instructional coach. Later, I moved into district administration. We built a coaching, instructional coaching program from the ground up in a little district outside of the bigger district that I worked for. And um, got to try on that admin hat, got to have a little groundbreaking experience with a new program. And I now currently work as the public relations and communications director of uh, Dave Burgess Publishing, Dave Burgess Consulting, Inc., which is a publishing company. And I absolutely love it. I get to use all the skills that I've learned in all the areas of education so far. And then I also get to try on a lot of new hats. Um, I get to mentor and help authors launch their work out into the world um, when it comes to launching their book for the first time. So I work a lot with, the, like I said, the public relations part of it. And then also the communication piece of it where I work, right now we're working on putting on our very first conference. So communicating with sponsors and collaborators and all those people that help make those wonderful things for educators happen. So I get to do a lot of really interesting, fun things for DVC Inc. and travel and speak to educators and students alike. So I just have I'm kind of a jack of all trades, but I love my role and I love it, especially now because I get to try a lot of new things, but I also get to use all those skills that I've already developed when it comes to teaching and it also comes to coaching. Very cool, Tara. Thank you for that introduction. And again, if uh, you are watching live, we'd love to hear from you uh, today during the program. Uh, leave us a question or a comment here uh, for Tara. Tara, let's cannonball right in with your first book here. Um, and and I read about half of it and I'm just fascinated with the stories uh, that are in here and how much you, know, you were willing to share of, of the the things that went on in your life, not only the positive things, but some of the challenges here. Where did you come up with the title and, and certainly the acronym of, of being real, relatable, expose a little bit of vulnerability, approachable and learning through life? Where did you where did this concept come from? It's a great question. So when I was an instructional coach, I would always and even as a classroom teacher, I would always survey my kids when I was in the classroom and get feedback from them on how things were going in the class. Like, how are you feeling? How am I making you feel? Do you feel safe here? Are there things you wish you could change? I, oh, and I did this often. I would say every probably monthly, but at least quarterly for sure. And so I did this with my coaches as well. When I was instructional coach, I did this with teachers. So in all the different roles, but one, one year as an instructional coach, I sent out the survey. I called it performance survey where they kind of measured my performance based off of their own perceptions. And 
I left an open-ended question at the end always. It was Likert scales, of course. But the open-ended question always said, just anything else you want to share about my performance that you wish I knew or that would help me to better serve you. And one comment just stuck out to me, and it just said, I love that you are just so real. Like, it's, it's so great to be able to work with you just because you're real. And I don't know why, but that comment was such a compliment to me because in a world where there's fake everything, right? And I feel like we're always, even as adults, but especially as students, trying to fit this mold that, you know, everybody has to look like this, sound like this, dress like this, feel like this. Um, it just feels good for someone to say, like, you're just so real. And so I loved that compliment. That's what I called it. And I always told people when people would say, you know, what's your favorite compliment or what's something someone's told you that's just really inspired you? And I would always use that phrase. Well, one time a teacher told me I was just so real and I love that. And so when I opened my blog, when, when I decided to make a website, I knew I was going to call it real. And, and I thought about it, like what makes me real? Like, what does that mean? Mm. I love it so much, but that, how would I explain to others what that means? And that's when I developed the acronym. I think it means that they feel like I'm relatable and they feel like I do expose vulnerability. I share parts of my life that I think will help them in different situations when it's necessary. Um, I try to show myself approachable, even to the unapproachable. And I love to learn I am a learner. My number one Gallup strength is learner. Like learning through life is just something I do. So that's how it came about. Very cool. And and one of the stories about coaching that you share in there is uh, with Mrs. S, right, who was the, the teacher kind of near her retirement. And she had to meet with you because she was assigned to do it and, and just put up that, that block for you. But you had an amazing breakthrough, you know, with her that was beneficial for her, but also beneficial for you. You know, can you share that story of, of Mrs. Yeah. S in, in here? And was it Mrs. S that gave you that compliment? No, no, no. So Mrs. S is actually at the front of the book. She's like the inspirational teacher from second grade. But Sue, I oh, call Sue. her. I mixed this up. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Mrs. S is our, she's my hero. Yeah, but sorry. Sue is also a hero, right? She did help me learn a lot of cool things. So I call her Sue in the book. And yes, she was, she was just difficult. Like she hated, hated to see me come as much as I hated to walk in her classroom. It was like a mutual feeling. Like we just knew that I knew no matter what I said to her, it, it never really seemed to be the right words at the right time. And until we made it to this place where one day I just asked her, like, why do you hate working with me so bad? <laughs> and I don't even know why I asked that, but I think I was just like up to here with no other strategies to try. And so I thought, well, I'll just keep it real. Like, why do you hate working with me so bad? And I think sometimes, Andrew, we have to just ask the hard question because people kind of beat around the bush a lot and it all that tension just builds up and it just makes for a toxic place to work. It makes for... Like, I didn't want to go into her room. She didn't want to see me coming. But I knew we could be a good team if we could ever figure out how to work together. Mm -hmm. And so asking that really hard question, although I asked it out of, you know, frustration, 
I still think it was the right thing to do. Like, why do you hate working with me so bad? And finally, after a lot of silence and a lot of really stiff, like will not move to talk to me at all, um, she broke down and just kind of told me some really real comments about how I reminded her of her mom and she had some non-closure with her mom's death and and she was kind of taking out this bitterness that she had harbored in her heart toward on me. So while it was relieving that I hadn't done anything really terrible, it was also really uncomfortable that I didn't know how to, I didn't have enough degrees to figure out how to help this lady, right? And so I didn't know what else to offer her except for what I always offer people when I have no words. And that's just a big old squeezy hug. And she hated being touched by children or anyone. So... Of course, I just offered her a hug because I didn't know what else to do. And I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. She just kind of reached over and gave me a side hug. And, and nothing really ever became more of that conversation. She shared all that vulnerability. I was at a loss for words. And little sideways hug. And we went about our way. I got her some tissue to dry up her face. You know, she was very upset. And from that point forward, we moved forward. Like she wanted to let me come in and co-teach. We ended up moving that data of the, the students. We had her in front of the staff sharing what they were doing in the classroom. We were interviewing students and asking them about the classroom and the, the new teaching strategies we were doing. And they were so excited. And it just was so beautiful to see that we never had to talk about that again. But getting to the heart of what the real problem was helped us to move forward. And we helped a lot of kids that year to have just an outstanding year. But not only that, she, she ended up retiring a couple years later and just feeling like a rock star. And that's what you want. You know, you got into this profession because you love it. And at the end, it's easy to like life for her. Her personal life was getting involved and she was just feeling really down and and defeated. But to, to come out strong like that, to me, that's just a win. That's an amazing story and, and an example of the realness, right? Sometimes you don't know what to say and, and why do you hate working with me so much, right? Like, and, and then, and the hug. Um, and that turned out, uh, you know, a very positive ending. You, you share some really personal stories in here also of your upbringing and, and some of the losses in your life. And, you know, as education leaders, right, we see a cycle of, of, you know, bad experiences in school, right? So many parents have a bad experience in their kids, but you broke that cycle, right? And you share about how your parents, you know, didn't do the best in school and, and weren't the top of their class, things like that. Um, but you have an inspirational story and sorry, I screwed those names up, but no, that, it's so that, yeah, that power of that Miss S in school, how she changed your life. Um, can you share a little bit about that story? Tara? Yeah, Miss S, I love talking about her because, she was just an angel, you know, like I feel like I feel like all things in life, like this is just my personal belief happened for a reason. And at that year, it was really vulnerable year for me uh, learning to read. And well, I couldn't read and I was moving into the second grade. And so um, my peers were surpassing me when it came academically. And I kind of thought this was just a part of like my family history. I mean, actually, I, I didn't think about any of that because I was seven. But, you know, now I look back and I'm like, I'm sure like the rest of the educators would think, you know, this is kind of a pattern, you know, mm -hmm. like 
what happens because if that one can't read, then surely their kids can't read, right? But Mrs. S didn't view me as a statistic. She viewed me as a valuable human being. And I, I just can never thank her enough for all the wonderful things she did for me that year. But for one, she just asked all the kids on the first day of school, like, what do you want to learn at the end of second grade? And I don't really remember what all the kids said, but I know that I said, I want to learn to read. And she said, you're going to learn to read, sweetie. And that's like all it was. And I thought like, hey, this is going to happen like in a few seconds. And it didn't kind of work out that way. But every day when I got off the bus, she just showed me the special treatment. And I don't know how she taught me to read that year, but I know that I got hugs and she brought me a snack each day. And she told me things like, I believe in you. And she would tell me stuff like, you can overcome your current circumstances. And honestly, at seven years old, I don't even know. I don't know that I knew what those words meant. But all I knew is this Mrs. S believed in me and I didn't want to disappoint her. And so I learned to read that year. And I honestly, I leveled up with my peers and I never, ever struggled in school again, ever. I mean, as in I got scholarships, I went on to undergrad, first generation, anything graduate, and then later graduate school. So I know that she changed the trajectory of my professional life, but she also just changed the trajectory of the way I thought. And she helped me reprogram my brain to, to where I realized I don't have to be what everyone around me says I have to be. Like I can be something more and I can be anything I want to be. And there's, we, I think as educators, we don't realize the power that we have for kids because it's 40 plus years later. And I still remember Mrs. S saying those things to me. I do. And it's funny. One more thing about that, just because um, when I'm saying this, like uh, it was our graduation night. We're talking about educators, you know, in our speeches that influenced us. And I remember afterward, people that had Mrs. S in second grade, they're like, yeah, you thought you were so special, Tara. But the truth is, she treated us all like that. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. She would never have time to do all that. You know, like, I really thought I was the special project. But the truth is, great teachers, we just do what we do. We try to help all those babies in front of us. You know, we try to help every student that's within our realm of influence. And you just never know the impact. Like I said, in Cannonball and you never know the impact of your splash. You have no idea. And then now I get to go and do that for students. So Mrs. S doesn't even know the half of what she's done for the world of kids, of adults that I've now gotten to inspire because of her awesome gesture and her awesome, um, educational professionalism to take care of me and to teach me to read that year. And that's an amazing story from when you're seven. Uh, but Tara, yeah, I'd like to compliment you also, like you were pretty resilient at that age and you also go through some of the other setbacks that you have in, in life. And I, I asked you the question, well, how did the R in real not stand for resilient? Because you took that spark that she gave you, but you continued to run with it. Again, the first person in your family, graduating from college and, and just to go on and do the great things. Talk to me about that resilience and the, and the things that continue to 
push you forward as, as an edu- you know, as a student first and then rolling to continue to be an educator? Yeah. You know, I, a lot of people ask me this question, you know, what made you different than your siblings or how did you break the cycle? Um, I, I really feel like I was blessed with a few people in my life, coaches too, but educators, people that would just tell me things that were anchors in my mind and I would hold on to them. I'm a journaler too. I daily journal. And so I go back and read my old journal entries and just see where I've overcome a situation. I'm like, okay, if I could overcome that, then I can overcome this. Like I've got this. Like I, and I try to take myself back to those landmarks, but likewise, I take myself back to those comments that those coaches, that Mrs. S, that anybody who was a multiplier in my life. And I love that statement by Liz Wiseman. She wrote a book on multipliers. Oh, yeah. but I all, all my people were multipliers and they are, they push me forward. They pour gasoline on my fire and they let me burn bright. And I love that. But I, I go back to things that they told me and it, it just helps me carry me through and think like, okay, I've got this. I can, I can get to the next step and then the next step and then I can reach my goal. And once I reach, it's just like cannonballing. Like once you cannonball once, you can't get enough of it, you know, then you want to try it again. You want to try a backflip. You want to try double front flip, you know, like it's you belly bust sometimes, but you know how to swim, right? So once you realize that when I get in the deep waters, I can swim and I'm going to come up, then what you do on top of the water, you're like, Hey, let's just go for it. Let's just try something new because even in the deep, dark places, I know how to swim. I'm going to come back up. I'm not going to let myself drown. And so, I, honestly, I think when Mrs. S changed the trajectory of the way I thought in second grade, something happened in my brain that started connecting the synapse that made me believe that I'm an overcomer. And it doesn't take a lot to wire your brain to be strong. It also doesn't take a lot to wire your brain to be very, you know, dark. But... I feel like those multipliers in my life just helped me to keep those strong connections and remember that I could be something different. I don't have to be, a, I don't have to be a statistic. Well, again, good for you. And, you, and not to be a spoiler alert, but not mm-hmm. only in the book, uh, Olivia writes, she does the cannonball, but then she goes and encourages other kids, right. Who had those same fears and she makes those connections Um it was really, it was really good. But again, those multipliers, those things in your life, you know, you tell the story in, in here about the kickboxing, right? And and that experience, and you got whacked in your face, and you were you were nervous to go back out, right? Because you felt the failure, and your co- I believe it was your coach that, mm-hmm. that pushed you to go back out. Yes. And then, why don't you share what what you saw when you came back out after that? So uh, yeah, I clearly lost the fight. It was a, uh, it was a. Uh, fight right before the champion, our Southeast Texas state championship. So it was a qualifier for that. And um, <laughs> yeah, I lost the fight. Really, I stayed up all five rounds. So I didn't get knocked out, which was a really positive thing. <laughs> in kickboxing. You don't want to get TKO'd or knocked out. Yeah. Um, but, but I lost and I was looking rough and I didn't want to go back out and visit my fans. But my coach, Mr. Manuel, he told me, he's like, all these people paid to come see you. I mean, we're talking a huge arena in Austin, Texas. It was a big deal. Um, 
and you're going to go out there and greet your fans because that's what we do. Like losers don't hide. And that's what he told me that day. And I was like, okay. So I went out there and when I walked out there, I just assumed that, that my line would be empty. You had this little table where you could come by and kids who are also in Taekwondo or, or, or boxing or kickboxing, they would want you to sign their gloves or sign their belt. That was just kind of what you did. And um, my line was just huge at my table, just waiting, all these little kids. And I couldn't believe with their parents, but I couldn't believe how many people wanted to see me. I lost the fight. Like, why weren't they over there to see my opponent who clearly won? But I had to show them some love. Even though I looked rough, I felt rough. I felt defeated because that was five rounds, y'all. Five, those rounds are so hard and they are so challenging and you're so exhausted. But standing, I didn't even stand behind my table that day. All the kids were so small. I just got in front of my table and just loved on all those children and signed their belts. And it was so cute that some came up and gave me words of wisdom. Like, if you would have just stop letting her get that right hook. Like, you wouldn't have that black guy. Stop letting her punch you in the face. I know, right? Um, and then others were just like, it didn't matter that you lost. Like, you stayed up. Like, you didn't get knocked out. And it was just little people, little children, you know, 12 and under, giving me advice on, or giving me compliments and just, just excited to see me, you know, and get pictures taken with me. So I developed the 10 approachabilities. Um, yeah. Yes, exactly. There it is. I love it. I, um, and you, that you took that story and built this, right? And you right. can use this for so many situations, right, about resilience. Uh, but it's it was great This, you know, that you took that story and made these from there, uh, I think was yes. great. Yeah. I did. And so I feel like, Andrew, that there's just so many circumstances in life. We get these cool opportunities. I mean, who else has been out there that's gotten a fight in a, a championship uh, qualifier for kickboxing? There's probably not a ton of us, especially girls. Uh, maybe more now than when I was younger, because when I was a teen, I, there weren't very many girls in our whole area, which is why I got in it. But um, but you have these cool opportunities to learn through life. And so take the lessons you learn and then use them to share them with other people. Just like in Cannibal Inn, that was a lesson I learned, but it wasn't good enough just for me to learn it. I wanted to share it with other people. And I think if we can keep that going, then we realize that life isn't treating us ugly. You know, maybe I needed to lose to learn those strategies. I needed to lose to learn those approachability principles. And now I'm able to share this with other people so they then can realize, you know what, losing doesn't mean we're knocked out. Like, it just means we learn some new lessons and we can move on from here. So, Yeah. Well, and again, one last story. There's a million stories, but, uh, you know, when you when you tragically lost your father there and you got up and you went to school the next day because it was a major school activity. You talked about putting the ice packs on your face and you went and did that. And that resiliency and that I'm not going to quit and I'm going to go out and face my people even when I'm down uh, mm -hmm. says a lot about you and, and the character and, and the educator you are. So you did take those learning experiences and continue to use them. And those are really powerful stories. Thank you so much. And thanks for yeah. reading real. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm only halfway done, but I got <laughs> I'm thrilled. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of great things in here. Um, and that, that's, that brings us to my, the next question, Tara. Um, 
you know, you were able to to join up with Dave, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have Dave on the program, and and he's built such an amazing uh, group of educators and and writing the books. And tell me about that transition to, uh, of working with Dave Burgess and uh, what that's like for you now. Well, it's a fun job. I love this role. It's definitely challenging. You know, I tell people a lot of times um, we're often saying, you know, students don't even know the jobs that they are going to be. We can't really prepare them for the jobs they're going to be taking on in the next 10 years because we don't know. They probably don't even exist. We say stuff like that all the time. But when you cannonball in on something brand new that's kind of outside of your realm of expertise. So for me, an education all my roles up until now had been in education, which to me relates to the story of Cannonball Inn. I knew how to be a teacher. You know, I know how to teach. That's my passion. So when I moved into coaching and I moved into administration, I was still a teacher. I was just teaching sure. a different audience, right? And so moving from education to business, so as a director of PR and communications for a company, so different. It was so, um, I got to live what I preach to kids all this while, right? So I developed this whole new level of empathy. What does it take to be really good at something that maybe you don't have the degrees necessarily to do? But obviously, Dave and Shelly believed in me to do this work. So how am I going to do this work and not only do it well, but serve our company well and serve our community, our authors, whoever it is that I'm serving. And I realized a few things. One, I needed to find out what they needed. I knew what I needed as I launched a book and there was no like me to help them. But in the company, I had Dave, which was amazing, but uh, they can't be everything for every author. They are very busy individuals, right? But they wanted that personalization piece. So they kept me on and they took me on. They took me on to to be that piece. So I had to find out, like, what is it that our authors and our readers and our community want? What is it that they need to make good use of this wonderful literature that's been put out there for them to to better serve their, their learners, right? And I started surveying them. I surveyed people who had written books for us before I came on and then the new authors as well. And I developed what I what I use is um, kind of I visit with each of our authors via Google Hangout right before like in it's a process of our our publishing process. But it's the promo. Um, we call it the promo chat, but it's kind of where we start talking about promotions. I get their backstory. I learn a lot about them. So I'm using a lot of those coaching strategies that I used in the past. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning like what is it that they need? to share their message with the world because that's what I need to provide for them. And so I started developing systems in place for DBC Inc. that puts all of these things that all authors need. And then I tailor make them for each author as we go along the process based off of their personal needs. What is their work love language? If they need words of affirmation when they're going through the roller coaster of writing a book, like I want to make sure I provide that. And so I do a lot of that at the onset. Also building in systems that help our readers to better engage with our books. So we have a book study activities page and we have several systems. I built the 
digital bookstore. And the digital bookstore is great because it's a one-stop party shop for every book. And you can click all the different links. You can read the free preview. So it was a lot of website designing that I had to learn. So once I found out what everybody needed, then it was I had to learn how to do it. So then it took a lot of learning, you know. So you have to be students and adults, too, jumping into these new roles. They have to be self-driven. They have to, first of all, listen to the needs of the people they serve. Then they have to be driven enough to learn it. What is it that they need? Okay, now I've got all these things. Now how am I going to learn how to do it? But then they have to do it. You can't just sit around and talk about it and think about it. You just have to make it happen. And so making it happen means learning gets pretty messy. And so, especially if it's not your area of expertise. And so learning all of these different pieces was very challenging for me, but it also is what propelled me forward. It was kind of based back to that resiliency we talked about when I was a little kid. Like, yeah. hey, this is hard, but I'm going to push through because I know it's helping other people. And I think if you can keep your purpose at the forefront, then we, we can prepare kids to do those things. Uh-huh then they are just going to be set for life. Employers are going to want to take them on. Even if they don't have this extensive resume, they have what it takes to serve their people and to build systems within a company that's actually bettering, not only serving the people, but it's bettering the company and it's adding more value to every piece and every caveat of that system. So I absolutely love what I do. I will say the first six months was so challenging. It was the most challenging thing that I'd ever taken on. But um, I feel really good about it now. I like it. I'm not yeah. all at it yet, but I am getting better. Well, you, I mean, he is doing amazing work. Shelly and Dave, so generous and, and giving and uh, the energy you're bringing to them. So kudos to you uh, and that team because uh, they are doing uh, great work. So. Uh, happy that you were able to come on and, and they've been able to share. I know you got to get rolling and I got a big PTSA meeting to get back to at school, but let's get to uh, the rapid fire uh, portion of the show. Tara, these are quick answers. First thing that kind of pops in your head. Okay. Okay. Let's read- go. Let's go. Last book that you read. You're reading a lot of books now. What's the last book you read? I read Boredom Busters by Katie Powell. It's uh, one of our newest, newer books, and it's all about just really easy strategies you can do in a professional development or in your classroom just to take that little edge off of a lecture, off the normal activities you would have in your classroom. And I love, love, love the strategies that you can implement them tomorrow. They're so good. Cool. Last movie you saw? Last movie I saw was... You know, I'm not a big movie watcher. Okay. Okay. Um, I saw The Lion King. Love The Lion King. It was I so was- cute, so cute. Yes, definitely love the new Lion King. I like the old one too, but I liked it. They did. They didn't change too much, and I really. I won't make, I won't make you sing. <laughs> uh, favorite place to travel. My favorite place to travel is anywhere near the ocean. Nice. You're right in the middle now. <laughs> you can, you can go either way. <laughs> so anywhere near the ocean is perfect. The greatest challenge in your work. Well, I kind of explained that earlier. The greatest challenge is just just mostly probably learning the new skills, but it's also it's the greatest challenge, but it's also the most rewarding because I love seeing and I, I didn't get to finish my statement earlier, but I love seeing authors be able to amplify their message 
It just makes my heart happy when they can share their message that they worked so hard on with the world and being able to see them out there just rocking that, like sharing that with so much passion. It just lets me know that the things that we're doing at DBC Inc. is making a difference, not only in their lives, but all the people that they influence. I love the word you used, amplify, right? You're, you're getting it out there. That was great. Thank uh, you. How about, Tara, how about a pet peeve or something that gets under your skin that, that kind of, you know, doesn't doesn't sit right with you? So something that gets under my skin, I talk about it in Cannibal Inn, but it's the dabblers. I just don't understand why the people that are not jumping, the beautiful, if you haven't read Cannibal Inn, it's dabblers are the beautiful girls sitting on the side, dangling their feet in the water. Their hair is dry. They look perfect. And they're sitting by the deep end, dangling their feet in, but they are not jumping. All they are doing, exactly, that's them. All they're doing is judging all the ones that are jumping. And so I think what gets under my skin more than anything is when people are so critical, but they're not doing the work. Rather than asking questions and trying to get clarification to better understand, they just put out all this hate and all this public criticism or even even privately, but they're not jumping. And why we let their comments singe our confidence, I don't understand, but we do, and it's just human. I just wish the dabblers would stop. I wish they would just jump and enjoy life and get out there and try new things too instead of sitting around and just judging people that are trying. My daughter asked, we paused the book. She said, Daddy, what does that mean? You know, we kind of had that conversation and it, it reminded me of, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's uh, The Man in the Arena, right? The one who's in there doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's the same concept. And it, it's so true. It's still like happening all the time today, right? Sure, sure. They're in the hallways at school. Absolutely. Uh, something about Tara Martin that people do not know about. Um, Let's see. Probably people don't know a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> After this show, they'll know it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll expose everything. I was going to, you know, a lot of people don't know that I fought in a kickboxing. That's usually the one I do for two truths and a lie because people are like, yeah, never. Oh, <laughs> people might not know that I just recently joined CrossFit and I absolutely love it. I can't believe it because I know it gets bad rap from a lot of places, but I absolutely, I love the community. I love all the new skills that I'm learning. I never knew my body could do these different things. I love how buff I'm getting. Like, I love everything about it. Good for you. Um, You're in uh, Lawrence, Kansas now. Is it mandatory that you're a Jayhawk fan if you live in Lawrence, Kansas? Pretty much. <laughs> what happens when your Longhorns come there? Are you, you know, how do you do that? Yeah, what happens when your Longhorns yeah. come? We still love them, but you know, on game day, you probably should bleed blue and red if you want to go into town. Otherwise, you should probably just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a huge, uh, um, uh, you know, the thing for the university there. And I drove through Kansas two summers ago, and just the signs, the whole state was amazing. Yes, we're yeah. yeah. We're very passionate about our teams, and, yeah, we are vast. We have a lot of farmland. <laughs> cool. Uh, Tara, how, what's the best way to people get in touch with you? You shared so much. You have so much to offer. You're doing great work with uh, Dave Burgess's group. How can people get in touch with you? 
So to get in touch with me, you might want to follow my website. It's TaraMMartin.com. So there's two M's in the middle. A lot of people forget that one M and can't find me. Um, on my website, I also have a subscription to the Real VIP Weekly. It's a weekly email I send out every Tuesday. It's broken into the REAL acronym, and it just shares little tidbits of information that fits each one of those pieces. So relatable something and appropriate expose vulnerability approachable and learning through life and then my instagram is tara m martin dot real so you might want to follow me there and facebook tara m martin so i would love to see you connect with you uh twitter i'm at tara martin edu and i'm i tell everyone if you have any questions or comments or something about the book you want to share i'm just a dm away cool and these are her books here she mentioned them we told some stories be real and, and cannonball in. Uh, just great, great stuff. My daughter really, uh, she gives it the two thumbs up. We'll, we'll put that uh, review on Amazon, Tara. Would love um, that. Would love that. Absolutely. I'm going to have her write it uh, as an eight-year-old. Uh, how about a quote, uh, Tara? Is there a, a mantra or a favorite quote that you have that you can leave with us here as we end the program? Well, you know, I love a lot of quotes, but this morning I read a quote and I put it in my real VIP. So I just thought I might share this one. And I've been thinking a lot about intentionality. And I really think that kind of goes back to the story of my life. You know, when you make something intentional, you make stuff happen. You know, when I decide I want to exercise regularly, I make it happen. When I intentionally set time away for checking email, going on social media, visiting with my family, whatever it is, you make it happen. So this quote is by Richie Norton. And it says, intentional living is the art of making our own choices before others' choices make us. Mm. And I love that. It's just something I've been pondering. I've been writing in my journal a lot about intentionality, trying to get, you know, some productivity habits in my life and also balance my work personal life a little bit better. So I love that. Intentional living is the art of making our own choices before others' choices make us. And I think it's important. I know a lot of times we talk about being selfless and I get that, but there are times where we need to not let everyone make all our choices. Like we've got to make choices for ourselves and we need to set boundaries for ourselves because our self-care is equally as important as our awesome talents. And so I think, I think for me, I just needed to know that and I need to be thinking about that. And that quote just really resonated with me recently. Tara, you have an amazing story. You're doing amazing work. I'm really uh, so thrilled to have you on. I appreciate it. I know i got to get you out of here. Uh, Tara Martin, everyone, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Tara, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, everyone, we're going to get tuning out. Let's get this music going. Uh, Tara did a great job. Check her out on social media. This is Andrew Murata tuning out here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. I am at Andrew Murata 21. Leave us a comment on the program. Elaine, thanks for your comments today. She even sent me this cool sticker. <laughs> thanks, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, thank you. Thank you.